Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Behind the Horses of Eyes. I am always your humble host, Brian. Today we have an amazing episode. I had originally asked Jessamine Rice to come on and talk about building confidence, you know, after injury. She was a great person for that, considering she is a therapeutic riding instructor and she also manages the horses at a large therapeutic riding facility. When she started talking about what she does for a living, I just let her go. Because it was way more interesting than anything that I could bring up for her to say. Jessamine works for the Therapeutic Writing Institute of Ohio. And the work that they do there is nothing short of amazing. Also, if you'd like to donate to the Therapeutic Writing Institute of Ohio, there is a link in the description of this episode. And if you hang on to the end, I say a little something about that that might pique your interest. So without any further ado... Here's Jessamine. And we are joined by Jessamine Rice of Ohio. Jessamine, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. How are you doing? I am doing great. I am glad. I've been trying to get you on forever about a particular subject, which we'll get into here in a minute, but uh, why don't you tell the folks a little about yourself? Well, um, like Ryan said, I live in Ohio. Um, I have done a lot of things in the horse industry, but uh, currently I work for a therapeutic riding facility, so we um, service adults and children with a wide range of cognitive, physical, and emotional challenges. Um, I'm also an avid equine enthusiast. I do um, a lot of riding. I have two of my own horses. Um, I've worked in many other areas of the equine industry too, um, thoroughbreds, all sorts of, all sorts of other areas. But uh, therapeutic riding definitely has my heart for sure. So you're taking children and adults with um, mental or physical disabilities and getting them helping them rehab through the horse, basically, correct? Yeah, yeah, we uh, definitely service lots of different areas. Um, we have different programming, for, but for the most part, um, they're either rehabbing or um, just getting pure, you know, enjoyment or services by the horse. So um, it could be emotional services, it could be physical, it could be, um, you know, just, you know, the relaxingness of being around them. Um, it just depends on what the client needs and what they're coming in for. That's got to be fulfilling. I mean, that's got to be 100% fulfilling every day. Yeah, it's pretty much the best job in the world. I definitely can't complain. Um, people tell you, you know, growing up, do what you love and you'll never work a day in your life. And I definitely think that's for me. Um, I did therapeutic writing for a while right out of college. Like, that's what I dreamed I was going to do my whole life. I did it and then I kind of burnt myself out and I left and I came back and I couldn't be happier that I came back to it. You're you're living the life that like 90% of equestrians say they want if they ever hit the lottery. Pretty much. Like yeah. everybody always says, you know, if I hit the lottery, I'm buying a bunch of land and I'm going to start a therapeutic riding facility for either a veterans or children or, or, or whatever that, you know, it's usually the first thing that pops out of somebody's mouth and, and you're doing that. You're doing that every day. 
Yes, uh, I am. And I love it. It's the best thing ever. Um, it, I, you know, everyone, everyone says that, and I have been involved with it so long that, man, it takes a village to run a place like this. Um, I've definitely come across one of the best places ever um, that I've been involved in at the place I work now. It's the Therapeutic Riding Institute. It's in Spring Valley, Ohio. Um, and the places I've been involved with before have all been great, don't get me wrong, but um, I've been very lucky to come across a facility that's as well put together and ran as this. Um, there's, there's lots of different places out there, but ours is a premier accredited center through PATH, which is the Professional Association for Therapeutic Horsemanship. Um, so just is a little bit different than some of the other ones that you might see. And are you guys a 501c or? We are. Yep, we're a 501c3. So if anybody would want to donate, how would they donate? Um, so you can go to our website. It is tryohio.org, uh, T-R-I-Ohio.org. Uh, we have donation pages there. Um, so yeah, that's easy peasy to get get in there. And if you feel the need, obviously, um, no pressure, but it definitely is a great organization. And um, all the money that's given to us is to improve improve programming one way or another. Um, either, you know, horse care, which the horses serve our students, or um, to be able to run this place. It, it takes a lot. Um, and we run all off fundraising, uh, fundraising and grants pretty much. You know, she said no pressure, but I'm telling everybody to to dig in them pockets right now because you couldn't imagine of a better program to to donate to you and this gal here is honestly doing if you're a believer she's doing the lord's work uh if you're not then she's doing some amazing work so uh dig deep guys the um here, here's the question i really want to know not to get too personal with what the ins and outs around there what, what's your what's your volume like in a facility like that so uh... Um, we actually purchased this facility. So Try as a Whole has been around since 1973. Um, so we've been around a long time, but we just purchased this facility back in 2019. Um, so we purchased the facility, they moved in, and then COVID hit, right? So um, just as everyone else was, we were definitely largely affected by COVID. We had to shut down programming um, almost immediately after we moved in. Um, and then we started coming back and we had to do limited class sizes and, you know, we had to order a bunch of protective equipment that was bleachable and, um, you know, easier, easier to clean and change because obviously leather isn't something that you can bleach and keep safe between riders and stuff. Um, but did y'all make the switch over to like biothane or something like that? Yeah. So all of our reins are now biothane. All of our lead ropes for our horse leaders are biothane. Um, we had to buy saddle covers. Um, that went over the saddles that you could bleach. And then we actually had a group of our volunteers make saddle pad covers. So that way we weren't having to like wash our actual saddle pads over and over and over. Um, so they came up with their own pattern themselves. We had a bunch of people donate sheets that made these um, covers that go over the saddle pads. And we used those for a long time. But now that we know that we've got to dial back because we know that you know COVID doesn't live on surfaces for as long, so we don't have to do as many of those things. Um, but it definitely affected us for a long time. Um, just at the end of our session last year, we were finally going up to being able to have you know three riders instead of two riders in a class, um, 
but we're hoping to go back to having three to four riders per class. So last year we do sessions, so up to 10 weeks per session. Um, but we ended up serving about 60 individual students uh, per session. So 60 individual students per week for a 10 week session. So that's, uh, I mean, you guys are cranking out some pretty good numbers, even during yeah. COVID. And even more reason for people to get out there and donate because I've I've seen the price of biothing stuff and quality biothing stuff is not not cheap. Yeah, and a lot of our students um te like have a lot of sensory processing disorders. So um with the sensory processing, you know, you can't have like the super cheap biothane that's hard and you know is like rough on their hands. So you have to have you know, high quality stuff that's softer that they are able to hold on to. Um, so it's, it's very specific, like the things that we have to purchase. We can't just take anything. That's, again, it's just amazing. I knew some of what you did coming into this. You know, we, we've conversed over the last few weeks, um, befriended each other, and then and now, now to really get the full story, is just, I mean, my mind, I'm literally just sitting here, my mind is blown hearing you talk about, you know, what you do and, and what your facility does. I mean, it's, it's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. We, I, this, this facility is insane. We're hoping to up our numbers to like a little over a hundred this year um, per session. So um, a lot of times our ride, we have three 10 week sessions. So a lot of the time our riders will ride in multiple sessions, but sometimes we have new riders that you know, go in and out. So just because we have 115 riders per session doesn't mean that we only serve 115. It could be up to 200 and some riders uh, that we that we serve in a year. So that that's not including special programming. So I brought you on, and then we got we got on that, and I'd love to talk about that a whole lot more actually. But I did bring you on for a very specific thing that I think a lot of people they're challenged by. And I thought as soon as it hit my mind that I really wanted to talk about this, you were the first person that came to mind because of what you do. Um, and that is confidence when going through injury or just, I've seen people lose their confidence on a horse uh, without even having an injury, just take some time off, get back on their horse. Horse needs a tune up. They need a tune up. Uh, and they just have a bad experience and it goes downhill from there. Um, I had a horrible time a few years ago. Um, I come off a horse in a um, pretty, pretty big trail area we have here in uh, in Aiken called Hitchcock Woods. And that's uh, where everybody goes. Everybody rides. It's very well kept. It's maintained. It's a, it, well, it was a private land that was donated. It's now maintained just for equestrians. And uh, they, there's everything from fox hunters to the average trail rider plays in there. There are jumps in there. There is um, a mile long track in there to breeze on, oh and it's gosh. yeah, it's just free. And I had a bad experience a few years ago with with at the time she was my filly. Now she's just a redheaded mare, but um, she was a little <laughs> filly then and um, spry, a little quarab. I never had a problem out of her, but she was acting a little funny that day, but. Being the type of guy I am, I didn't I didn't think too much about it. A friend of mine had saddlebags. We had stopped at a store, got some drinks, and um, I'd had a drink in a plastic bag in her saddlebags. And I asked her to hand me the drink, and she threw me the whole bag. 
did not think anything about it. The mare had never given me any problems. I hung the bag on my saddle horn, and it was like it was like firing a a rocket off. Um, it was like SpaceX. And um, I made the choice to eat. I I tried one rain stopping. I tried everything in the world. Um, everything but pulling the uh, left side of her teeth out the right side of her mouth. And um, I made the choice to either let her take me up through the the thick wooded brush that we were headed into and take my chance with the trees, or just to hit the eject button. I hit the eject button. I landed on my head. Uh, oh, in in a root ball was not wearing a helmet. And uh, I tore, I had one leg crumple uh, and bent completely around the other way. Uh, I had tore my ACL and that leg fully had partially tore the, my other one. Um, I had broken both wrists and um, had a, what I thought was a pretty bad concussion. I'd played sports. I walked it off. And then I actually found out a couple of years after that, I had a traumatic brain injury. I'd had a bleed and uh so that was why i kind of laid kind of low for about a week but um and so but coming back from that and i'm still coming back from that and that was years ago um and i know a lot of people have stories that are very similar and some people literally can get up off the ground get back on that horse and go schooling and i thought i was going to be one of those people i found out very quickly i wasn't so when it comes to building confidence in a situation like that with other people what is what is your take on that so this is actually something that's very near and dear to my heart that it actually doesn't i have things that tie into therapeutic writing that match that but um from personal experience so uh growing up i so growing up i was we didn't have a lot of money and so i pretty much worked off every horse lease that I had any, any, any time, any way I could get on a horse. I did it. So I worked in barn. I was up at 5.00 AM before, you know, I went to school, went out, did chores, came back in. I was lucky to, uh, we rented a house on a farm with 50 horses. Um, and the lady let me come out and do chores and ride. And, um, I won't go too far into that because I don't want to get on a rabbit trail, but Um, I started off with her and they were great people. I was there for three years, but, um, they didn't push me enough. I wore, I rode walk trot for two years, um, which leads me into the next person that I chose to ride with. Um, and don't get me wrong. I love her to this day. We're still very close, but I was the next person that I rode for, um, I was put in a lot of situations that I probably shouldn't have been put in as a kid. I was, you know, 14 and I think I, by the time I was 16, I had fallen off 50 times um, because I just hit the dirt, hit the dirt, hit the dirt. And I wasn't given the basics to learn how to prevent those situations that were completely preventable in that, in that scenario. Um, So I always told myself growing up that I wanted to be the quote unquote trainer or riding instructor that I didn't have to push me to my limits, but also, you know, bring me back and be able to, um, you know, not go so far out of the side of my comfort zone that I'm getting injured and hurt. Right. So I definitely struggled for a long time um, after being there with, because I used to be the kid that would jump on anything. Right. I was never scared, had no fear. 
you know, that's what I thought it was supposed to be like. And then I um, spent a long time, like just being very anxious every time I would get on a horse. And that was really hard for me because like, that was my happy place, right? Horses are a happy place. That's what everyone tells you. Um, but every, I still love being around them on the ground. I had no fear on the ground, but as soon as I would get in the saddle, like riding new horses, I was just freaked out. Um, and it, so I took, I actually took a year off of riding and my parents were very concerned because like my parents know me, I was in the barn as much as possible. And they, like, I just didn't, I didn't really know how to talk about it. Even, even as a, you know, a high schooler or whatever, um, I didn't know how to talk about it. And finally I decided to go to college. That's where I got back into therapeutic riding. I'd known since I was a kid that I wanted to go into it. And, um, the director of the college I went to, I went to Ohio University Southern. Her name's Kelly Hall. She is a phenomenal riding instructor. And um, she could tell that I was very anxious and she gave me those building blocks to get back in the saddle and feel comfortable and taught me, you know, the what, hows and whys of, you know, how to control every part of the horse in order to feel, you know, safe and confident again. And so I do a lot of that now, um, whether it's in therapeutic riding or I teach other just traditional riding lessons outside. Uh, my goal is to always, you know, bring those to push my students to their limits, right? So um, encouraging them and making sure that they feel confident in themselves and getting as much done as they can, but also not pushing them so far that they are you know, risking themselves or endangering themselves because that just leads to more fear. So um, that's on the regular side of, you know, my traditional riding students. Um, but going into therapeutic riding, you know, I've had the privilege of getting to work with a couple students um, who have had some significant um, you know, incidences in their life. So obviously therapeutic riding, there's many, 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 many um, different kinds of people and audiences that we serve. Uh, but my personal favorite audience to serve are people who used to be able to and now can't because of some something that's happened in their lives. So this is why we're friends, obviously, then. Yeah. <laughs> so... Uh, um, so one of my, my first person that I connected with in therapeutic writing, uh, was in college and he was an amazing human and he was previous, he was an a college athlete. He had his master's. He spoke seven different languages. He was three quarters of the way through getting his PhD and he got hit by a drunk driver, had a TBI and now had slurred speech and was not able to walk unassisted, uh, had to learn, completely learn how to rewalk and how to talk and um, all of those things. And so life was very different for him. He used to be you know, young and free and could run and do whatever he wanted and had this whole life set out for him and a drunk driver hit him. And because of that, he was no longer able to, you know, do the things he used to. And 
Um, that is actually where I got my passion for working with people who, you know, whether it's a TBI or whether it's, you know, a stroke or whether it's, I mean, there's so many different things that can happen. Um, like he gave me the passion for it and he was the bravest person that I know. So, um, just a little background to give people an understanding of what it's like. Um, so when we mount someone from a wheelchair onto a horse, we have to do what's called a crest mount. Okay. And getting my training as a therapeutic riding instructor, we have to do all the mounts too. So like we practice on each other, obviously to learn how to do them and being the person that is being maneuvered by everyone else, but myself is a terrifying feeling. So like, I'm kind of a control freak, right? And this guy was too, at one point in his life, like he wanted to have complete control of his life. And now he had to be assisted by all these different people to be able to do, you know, this, this therapeutic writing. And um, it is a very vulnerable situation to be put in. Um, and so we set them down on the horse um, facing you. So they... So they, we lower them into a sitting position and then we have to take both of their legs up over the withers. So their legs are sitting up on top of the crest of the horse and then we drop both legs down together. So that's the easiest way to mount. It is absolutely terrifying um, because you, I mean, A, you have no control. Your balance is zero. Even as an able-bodied person, for me, it was terrifying to have all of these people holding me and trying to maneuver me. And I, so I can't imagine being in that situation be, as someone who is not capable to catch themselves if we were to let them down. You know what I mean? Like, it's just insane. And um, sorry, I'm going off probably way off of what the original point no, was. No, you know what? It, it's here, Here's my take on this at this point. And this is a way better conversation. So to be someone in the situation where you're not able to catch yourself if these people around you were to fail and take a misstep is very vulnerable. But, you know, I saw this student go from being literally terrified the very first time being on a horse to at the end of my time with them I mean we were together for like a year and a half um I got to I was able to be his instructor and by the end he was riding completely independently like with minimal assistance I mean obviously the mount has to be assisted but you know it's the the confidence building that it gave him is just as therapeutic as the physical aspect of it. So um, I don't know how much you know about therapeutic riding or like how much the horse actually physically affects, you know, our riders, but um, so horses affect multiple things. Um, speech is one of the big things that they actually affect. So obviously that's why I ramble on and on because when you ride horses, it uh, actually affects the same neurons in your brain as you use when you talk. So um, some places will partner with speech therapists 
um, the physical aspect. So when you ride a horse, your hips are moving the exact same way as they do when you're walking across the ground. So uh, for people who aren't able to walk even, uh, even assisted, um, it still is working those same neurons and it is still working those same muscles and helping them prepare to be able to walk again. That's not to say that every single person who rides a horse is gonna be able to walk again, but um, it definitely activates those same neurons. Um, I'm trying to think what else, sorry, lost my train of thought. That's fine. Um, but also, obviously it also helps the emotional aspect of it. I mean, being able to become independent again is one of the biggest things that you see in people who, you know, uh, start this therapeutic riding process. Um, it's just an amazing thing to get to see people who, even though they have to be assisted on the ground, eventually grow to be able to ride a horse completely unassisted. Um, not all people, not all students get to that point, but there is a really cool, you know, amount of people that are able to do that. Um, so that's, I don't, I don't know what else you want me to add on to that, but no, I mean, it, and it's one of those things, and especially in the equestrian world, because at some point we all go through injury, and and some more severe than others. And I think they say, if I'm not mistaken, I think a study was done, and it says about every thousand hours, eight hundred to a thousand hours uh, of riding, uh, you will have a, a major in, major injury event. Mine was a TBI, and and the crazy thing about TBI is TBIs affect people so differently from you know, losing your ability to stand or walk or speak, or then you have instances like me. I developed a type of epilepsy from it called post-traumatic epilepsy, which affects, you know, my, my thought sometimes, speech, um, and memory. So, and, and, and brain injury just affects, you can name a part of your body and brain injury can affect it. And, but no, I, that's what I was kind of kind of leading into is that especially us on the outside looking in at what you do, and especially those of us that ride, you know, we can we can definitely take a uh, a cue out of your book and respect what you do because at any moment, if we're not careful, that could be us. Absolutely, it's it's definitely a humbling experience and. Um, you know, I'm somebody who treats awkwardness with humor, right? And I feel like, you know, there's a, there's a lot of, there's a lot of times where, you know, people are affected by many things and you have no idea, right? But people are people. And so, um, one of my favorite things about my job is that I just get to kick back and joke, like, Obviously, there's so many good things coming out of our sessions, but, you know, another great thing is, like, when students come here, they're treated like a regular person, you know what I mean? Like, so many times society treats people, you know, that, you know, are physically, like, you physically can see a difference, you know, they, they treat them in a way that is, you know, that can sometimes be belittling, and when they come here, they are the same as my traditional writing students outside of the therapeutic writing setting. You know, I push them, we have goals that we set. Um, I push them to achieve those goals as much as I can. 
Uh, I definitely give my students a hard time as much as humanly possible. And we have a lot of laughter um, because you can't take life too seriously. And if anything, working with some of my students has taught me that life is short and things can change at any moment. So you have to make the best of it. And um, that's definitely something that we've heard over and over is that people appreciate coming here and just being treated like anybody else when they walk through the door. Like, yes, we have adaptive tact to make sure that they are successful, but you know, my goal is to get them to ride as much as a quote unquote normal, you know, or traditional riding student, um, achieving those goals. Um, I have an, I have another student right now who, um, you know, they ride, they came in, um, when they first, when they first came and I'm not saying that this is all because of what we've done, uh, but definitely it's had an impact, but they came in and they could barely, you know, walk up the ramp with their walker and had to use a wheelchair sometimes. And now, um, they walk out almost completely unassisted, you know, from dismounting from their horse out to their walker outside, they walk almost completely unassisted. And it's, it's really cool to see the progress that they've made, not only with, you know, therapeutic riding, but obviously the other therapies that they're involved in. Um, I think something also important to note is that we are not a hippotherapy center. So um, there's a difference between therapeutic riding and hippotherapy. Um, so hippotherapy is work, working with a physical therapist, an occupational therapist, or a speech therapist. Um, and they work on specific um, muscle you know, um, things muscularly, uh, they will work on speech specific goals, um, you know, with someone who's a little bit more qualified. So the people, the results that we see are just um, plainly on interaction between them and the horse. Uh, we teach horsemanship skills, uh, riding skills. Occasionally we will work on, you know, with some of our tiny tots, we will work on things that they're working on in school or stuff like that. But, um, we're not a hippotherapy center. So I just want to put that out there just in case. I don't want there to be any confusion because sometimes it's hard to know the difference between the two. Have uh, have you had many um, students? I'll use that word. Is is that the correct term? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Have you had, had many students go in, you know, they, they rehab or they go through uh, a therapy session with you guys and then go on to a you know, a life in equestrian sport. Have, has anybody, have you seen anybody go, you know what, I'm in love with this now. I have to have this in my life. Um, I personally have not. I wish that I could say that I have. I know that there are people out there that do. Um, but I think that it's just very difficult because of, it's very difficult just because of like, the amenities that are available you know like access that's available like it's it's it would be very hard to find um it would be very hard to find a boarding facility that has you know the correct mounting equipment finding a horse that fits a specific job so um a lot of a lot of our students that we get in have emotional or cognitive disabilities uh you know or challenges um, more so, we do have a lot of students with physical, but a lot of it is emotional, cognitive, and um, also something that people don't think of is how 
much the horse takes on in the process. So we actually have a, like, so therapeutic riding has like a pretty high um, horse burnout rate. So we average that a horse will last approximately up to five years in a therapeutic riding facility. Um, we do have two horses that have been here for seven years and they are very special. Um, that doesn't happen very often, but um, because they take on a, a lot of our students, especially starting out are very unbalanced. Um, so we have a horse leader and two side helpers that start with every student. So we have someone controlling the horse and one person on either side assisting the person that's riding. Um, and sometimes they graduate from that. They will fire a side helper. We always like have so much joy on firing people. You're fired, you're fired, you're fired. Uh, we have a great time with that because that means the student is moving up to the next level and able to do it without some assistance. Um, but going back to your original question, that doesn't mean that that's not a possibility for some of our, for some of our students or our clients. Um, we just, I just personally haven't gotten to have anyone that's to that point. Um, one of my students right now, um, she's getting to the point where she's starting to be as independent as possible. And she used to actually barrel race back in the day uh, before she had her injury. Um, and so I'm sure for her that eventually she probably will find that specific horse. But our goal is to get these people to where you know, for someone in that situation, not all of our, not all of our clients will ever be ready for that. Our students will ever be ready for this, but you know, our goal, especially with my students who are in a situation like that is for me to build their skills until they're able to be completely independent and to they're able to be able to purchase their own horse again one day or something like that. But it takes a very special horse. Um, you know, I, my favorite horse that we have is my personal horse, obviously, probably, uh, but he's 29. You'd never know he's 29, um, but he specializes on our students who are just learning to become independent. And he is so like very smooth, very patient. Um, something that you don't think of is he's very narrow. So he has, they have enough um, leg length to be able to stabilize themselves um and a lot of our you know riders that come in um they they need a narrower horse or we might have horses that that's a whole nother story of how we pick horses to riders um but yeah so not to say that they can't i know i went on off on a little bunny trail but uh i personally haven't had that experience well you actually answered my next question which is i was going to ask you about horses burning out just because you know, a horses feed off of our emotions and, you know, you've got a horse that's got somebody who is constantly panicked on their back. That's got to be hard for a horse. Then you've got somebody who does not have correct balance on a horse constantly. At some point, we all know how horses are. They get irritated. They get a little snotty. And you, you kind of answered that question for me, you know, that what, what was your horse turnover rate? Because I expected there to be a horse turnover rate. Yeah. Uh, I would say five years is actually a long period of time. I think it takes a very specific horse. In my experience, it's probably every two to three years they're, they're ready to move on. Um, 
I don't know if you're interested in this, but I could go on a little bit about horse selection that we use. Yes, please. Um, so my title is I'm the equine manager. So I am in charge of finding all potential equines for our industry or for our, you know, for our program. Um, and then I go and um, interview those horses, quote unquote interview, which means we go and we do an evaluation of them. So um, dialing back a little bit, we need, because we serve such a large variety of clientele, um, we need a very wide variety of type of horse. So um, we need narrow horses for our students that are hypertonic. So that means that they have very tight muscles. We have to have a narrower horse. Um, if our students are hypotonic, which means they have a lower muscle tone, we would like to have a wider horse because it gives them more of a base to balance off of. Um, think of students with ADHD, right? They like to have something that has a loud pop of color. That doesn't mean they have to, but they're typically drawn to something that's a little bit more flashy. It keeps their attention longer. Um, we try to stay as much as possible 16 hands or under um, as far as height goes, just because um, we have side helpers who are assisting our riders, right? So if they're reaching way, way, way up in the air on the 17 hand horse, they're not off, they're not able to support that rider as much as they may need. Um, also, their fingers are going to go numb because they're trying to reach the sky for a half an hour. Um, my ideal, my ideal height for a horse is no more than 15-1, 15-2 um, as far as therapeutic riding goes. So um, we have a very wide variety of horses. We have multiple quarter horses, but they're all very different. Uh, we have some narrow quarter horses. We have some uh, wider quarter horses. We have some of our students that, um, so a lot of our students that are on the, on the spectrum, right? Um, they may have very, they might not like a lot of input, okay, from their horse. So we have to have a smoother horse because if they're on something that's giving them too much input as a rider, it's going to send them in sensory overload. And that's going to be, it's going to put them over the edge and that's going to be too much for them to handle. Um, but say we have our student with ADHD, we have like to put them on a horse that gives a lot of input. So we'll put them on our bigger moving horses um, because that helps keep their attention. If they're ready to get off after 10 minutes because they're bored, we start trotting, right? Because it gives them that input. It gets them realigned. They usually start laughing and giggling and, you know, gets them, gets their brain back on track and remembering what they're, uh, what they're here to do and gets them back involved. Um, we have one gated horse. We have a Rocky Mountain. Uh, she's fantastic. So we great breed of horse, by the way. What I said, great breed of horse, by the way. Uh, they they, they don't they don't get enough love or enough. Uh, nobody ever don't. thinks about them. Rocky Mountains and and Kentucky horses never get. Nobody ever brings them up unless you own one. And so I'm kind of a little bit of a skeptic when it comes to names, right? So I'm in charge of seeing all these horses and. This person came to me and said, hey, I have a horse. She'll be great for your program. I'm like, oh, cool. What's her name? They're like, her name's perfect. And I'm like, oh, 
this thing's gonna bite me. I'm sure of it. Like I'm gonna either get bit or bucked off. Like something bad's gonna go down. But yeah. oh my gosh, we went to evaluate her and she was she was perfect. And so we call her perfect perfect all the time. Was she a Morgan? She's not a Morgan. She's a Rocky Mountain. But we do okay. have a Morgan cross. Um, so we have. Aren't her. they the best? They are the best. So this one is very particular. So again, another thing that we consider is their personality type, horses personality type. So um, say our, our Morgan. So she doesn't have the highest load of mounted students uh, because she picks her people and she picks the students that she really, really likes. And she will let you know very safely, but we'll let you know if there's a student that is riding her that is not her favorite. That's just um, very Morgan behavior right there. Yes, but we do what is called equine facilitated psychotherapy. Um, and so we actually partner with a social worker, a clinical social worker, and we were all able to give a caregivers program last year. So it was a program for our caregivers of our students. It was all about stress processing and all this stuff, but it's all, it's an unmounted program. Um, and she is actually like one of our top horses that we use for that because she's very empathetic and on the ground, she will link up with someone and become so emotionally attached very easily that we, she is literally perfect for any unmounted ground activity. Um, where some of our deadheads that we have, which are great, they obviously serve a purpose, they're, they're fantastic, um, but they don't connect with people like she does. So even though she doesn't have a huge student ratio, she still, like as far as mounted goes, she still serves a huge purpose because she is such a good horse for that equine facilitated psychotherapy, or we also call it equine assisted learning if it's not with our social worker. So your horse selection, you're, you're obviously looking for horses that can definitely handle, you know, the, for one size wise, temperament wise um are there any breeds that you steer away from you know are you leery of or is it more of a case-by-case -case basis per horse because we all know if every horse is by its breed standard it should be a good horse but we all know that not every horse is bred the same absolutely so we do not have certain breeds necessarily that we like there's not a breed that I'd be like absolutely not we'll, have, we'll never have one even though I do joke around a lot about never having an Arab I, I make that joke a lot but actually one of the best therapy horses I've ever known was an Arabian so I can't say anything bad about them they can be great horses I just like to make jokes um but it very much just depends specifically on the horse because we as we know like every horse no matter what their breed is, they could be built completely different than what their standard breed is. Um, think of quarter horses, right? We have a bunch of different quarter horses in our barn. Um, I have a mare who is 15-3 and built like a draft cross. Um, and then we also have a quarter horse who's 15 hands and very dainty. Um, they both serve different purposes here. Um, but as you know, we, we try to stick away from anything that is too big. So um, anything that's a full draft, depending on the size, again, we tend to stay away from unless they are refined enough that they don't have to stand in stocks to be, you know, to be seen by the farrier and that kind of stuff. Um, 
We love draft crosses. Um, draft crosses are our savior right now because we have been expanding into a lot of uh, adult programming. And so trying to have courses that can sustain that. Um, but ultimately it just depends on what we are you know, focusing on for the year, um, what direction we think our program needs to go in um, as far as that goes. So we sit down as a team, we make a meeting, we decide, you know, we decide as a whole, like even though I'm the equine manager, I sit down with my other team members here that work here and we say, okay, this is what we're looking for this year. So like I just had in my mind, what is the perfect horse fall through? Um, he was a draft cross. 15-1, he was a paint, like he was colored, which is, I mean, colors here nor there, but it's kind of fun to have a pop of color in the barn. He had been used in the therapeutic riding program before. He was very sound. He didn't require shoes, you know, like all the things that you think of. So um, we, you know, we try to be as financially responsible as we can. Um, we run off a lease basis as much as possible. So we try to make sure that when the horse is ready to phase out and like fully retire, they can go back with their owner. Um, very rare occasions we will take donations, but um, the biggest people, the biggest thing people don't think of is soundness. So people think I get, I can't even tell you how many calls I get a month of Joe Schmo calling me and saying, Hey, I've got the perfect horse for you. It um, is very lame. It has three legs and it's blind. But it loves people. It loves students. It loves little kids. It'll be great. And although I'm sure that that could be a very quality horse, um, soundness and how the horse moves is our number one. Well, temperament's our number one priority, but soundness and how they move is a very, very, very close second. Because if they move incorrectly, if they even have a hitch in their step, it can throw our riders off balance and it actually is counterproductive for their riding. Uh, we need them to have those four, you know, that four beat gait that is, you know, very solid and consistent. So as far as, as far as breeds that we try, there's no breeds that we shy away from as long as they're a good horse. As soon as you were actually first started talking uh, about this whole ordeal, the first thing that popped in my mind were small drafts and draft crosses because it's almost like they're aware of their surroundings at all times. Like if you get stepped on by a draft, you tried to get stepped on by a draft. Yes. And so one of my favorite horses I've ever had as, you know, like you're, what we think of as an ideal horse, right, for a therapeutic riding facility. There was my air quotes there, an ideal horse. Um, is like you think of like halflingers, right? Halflingers are short and they're stocky. They're great. But the problem that you run into there is no withers and saddle slipping. So, yeah. you know, trying to find a happy medium, something that has withers. So our students aren't coming off balance, uh, but a short and stocky draft crosses, man, if anyone out there has a draft cross that is super sound, super sane, and they want to let us use for a little while. Let me know. I'll come see it. I would imagine things like Arab crosses would be kind of hard to. I have a core ab, and she can be hard to fit at times. She has very Arab withers. Yeah. As in, they're they're not existent. There, there's nothing there. <laughs> yeah, Arabs can definitely be hard to fit. Um, 
something so quarter horses seem to be very easy to set, fit a lot of those saddles that we have fit a lot of quarter horses but they don't fit all of our needs so um something that we just got in we uh were we were gifted a grant uh, that we applied for and it gave us a significant amount of money to be able to purchase tack right so we try to keep our tack updated we want to keep them safe and we want to give you know, quality ride to our participants. And so we were just able to purchase a saddle that has an interchangeable gullet, which is fantastic because like we just said, the, you know, high rate of turnover makes it hard for us to always have saddles that are fitting our horses. So that's definitely gonna be super useful for us in the future. No matter what horses we get in, we should have something that will potentially fit them. Obviously we always have those oddballs that are hard to fit no matter what you try to put on them. But um, with therapeutic riding, it's very, 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 very pertinent that the saddle fits the horse correctly. Because with people that are unbalanced, like if you have a, an unbalanced person on a saddle that doesn't fit a horse, you are gonna come up with a real sore, sassy horse very quickly and it could become a dangerous situation. I was just about to, to, to say that, that, that that's the last thing you want in this world is a bored horse that's sore. Yes, absolutely. And uh, speaking of bored horses, so that, like that's something else that we are really about is um, all of our horses are exercised outside of their, you know, outside of their regular job duties. We try to give them something to do that is, we try to give them something to do that is actually working their brain because we want them to stay busy we want them to feel like they can get their bucks out and do all the things that they need to do because they are still horses. They need their own outlet too. So, so you know what one of my favorite outlets is? What? One of my favorite outlets is podcasting today sponsors, Anchor.fm. The great thing about Anchor.fm is it is 100% free. If you've got a smartphone, you have got a podcast-making device right there in your hands. You can head on over to Anchor.fm today, sign up, get going. The best thing about it, they do all the work, everything. They'll distribute you, get you on Spotify immediately with your first upload. Tell you something else they do. They'll monetize. That's right. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. So head on over to anchor.fm today. Start making some sweet, sweet podcasts. So I don't know if that is, I know that we got way off topic from confidence building. Um, well, you know what? I'm glad we did. And that, you know what that just means? It just means I get to have you back. And what I'd really love to do is get you back and bring on somebody who can definitely go neck to neck with your energy and um i'd like to bring bring in flow or someone like that who is definitely a hell of a lot better trainer and deals with uh more stuff than i do on a daily basis and just let you two just take over the show and uh that will be magic so that that would be the episode that puts me over the top is to get get you two. Do you know uh, Flo Schmorgoner? I think I haven't seen her on some of your lives. She, yep, she works with uh, off the track thoroughbreds, the ranker the better, and turns them into wonderful, wonderful um, uh, sport horses. And That's um, awesome. yeah, I just it just mm, 
you know, that, that takes a special type of person to do. And I tell you what else, take a special type of person to do what you do. You do well, some amazing work. We love it, man. I mean, I could talk for days about therapeutic writing. There's just so many, I've, I've just had so many experiences that I will never forget. Um, we had a, when I worked at OU Southern, um, which is a college that I graduated from, um, we had a very large veterans program there. And um, one of our veterans that came had, and I may not get the exact details of the story 100% correct because it's been a long time, but from what I remember, um, he had a specific, he had some sort of injury um, and had not spoken for years. I mean, had not said a word, uh, was nonverbal. I mean, obviously interacted, um, but still nonverbal. And the first words that he had spoke in a very long time was him sitting on the back of one of our horses and he started singing. Oh, I'm trying to remember what the song was that he was singing. Oh, I just ruined the story, but he sang one of the like old country songs about riding a horse and now I can't remember what it is because I'm thinking of all of them, but literally there was not a dry eye in the arena. Every single one of us were bawling. I mean, just like, it was such an impactful moment because he, that was, that was the first time he ever said anything, you know, um, that's, you know, that's one of the major things that I've seen. Um, another audience that is very near and dear to my heart are, um, at risk youth. So, um, at the last, uh, therapeutic writing place that I worked at, OU Southern, um, we, had a um, group of people that came in and it was pretty much like the last chance before, um, it was kind of like last chance before juvie type of deal, right? So these these are youth that um, have just been struggling in one way or another, you know, multiple different backgrounds, but um, we did equine assisted learning activities, um, which are all unmounted. And we did this activity where um, all these girls came in, it's their first day, so they have no idea how to put a halter on, they have no idea anything about horses, right? So they came in, uh, we have, we have five girls, five horses, right? Um, when they came in, all the horses are loose in the arena, all the halters are in a pile on the ground. Um, and the activity was, um, Okay, so all of you, all they were given basic safety instructions, like obviously don't walk directly behind the horses, you know, move out of the way, those kinds of things, basic safety instructions, but they were given no other rules other than go get a horse. We had a pole, um, we had a box set up in the middle of the arena. Go get a horse and put its front feet in the box. That was it. We gave them no other instructions at all. Like that'd be very intimidating. That sounds like my old trainer. I think my old trainer would just do stuff just to uh, just to get a rise out of me. Like <laughs> well, put me on a like put me on a spooky horse and then tell me to go open a gate. She'd do that. <laughs> she would do that, and then the horse would spook, and she could. I just wanted to see how you'd recover. <laughs> well, it's not not quite like that. So we weren't setting them up to see. We weren't setting them up for failure, but we were 
we get to see a lot of things in those situations. A, we get to see who the leader is because they're going to be the first person going out there and figuring it out. We get to see their problem solving skills. We get to see how they cope with a stressful situation, all of these things. So fast forward, there's a lot of things I could say about that day, but um, there's four girls have their horse. There's one girl who is trying to get her horse and she is just stomping up to the horse and the horse is taking off and running away. Anyone who knows things about horses knows like this is a very reactive horse. We choose reactive horses, but safe horses for these activities for a reason. Um, and she's trying to bully her way to get to that horse. And finally, this girl screams at the top of her lungs. She's like, I quit. And she throws her halter against the wall and she just starts crying, right? So she's just crying in the middle of the arena. So I walked up to her and we start processing. And so I'm like, man, like that must have been really tough. I'm like, have you ever, like, have you ever experienced this any, any time outside of, you know, have you ever experienced this feeling before? I was like, and she was like, oh, I don't know. And I was like, well, like, has there ever been a time where, like, where, you know, there's been a lot of stress like this and just feels like nothing's going on? She's like, and she just starts crying. She's like, I just push everyone away. And, like, she just starts, like, pouring her heart out and talking about how, you know, she is always trying to connect with people and they're always running away from her. And as we're having this conversation, the horse comes around behind her and I can't make this up. The horse puts its head on her shoulder while she's crying. And it was just like the most beautiful moment that you could ever ask for. And we just, we talked about how, you know, in life, you just, you can't, you can't bully your way. You can't push your way into making friends. You can't push your way into people's lives you have to be vulnerable to draw them close to you. And like, I, I didn't have that plan. It's not something that happens all the time. It was just a freak situation where the horse knew exactly what to do. And like, that's the coolest thing about horses is that horses don't lie. You know, they don't lie. They show their true colors all the time and they make vulnerable moments like that happen every day. And that, you know, that, that's just a very, very small preview into what I get to do. But, like, how fulfilling is that, you know? That, like, that is absolutely, you know, and it, as soon as you started talking tonight, like, I, I lit up. You had my full attention, but I have to say one thing um, about the horses not lying thing. You need to have that conversation with my mare because she lies to me all the time. She acts no, like we're going to like what she's telling you. She, she, she tells me we're going to have a good day and it never ends up being a good day. I think so, you're telling her you're going to have a good day. I, I do have to ask, because it's that time of year, um, who's, uh, who's University of Kentucky logo? Is that behind you? Uh, that is actually my coworkers. Okay. Well, when you see them tomorrow, tell them I said go dogs. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm actually not really a UK fan, but my coworker was very nice to lend me this um, – this cork board and i'm sure she's gonna listen to this later and she's gonna have some beef with you yeah that's okay i'll get if i send you a big big block g red and black will you put it i will put it i will put it right behind her desk that's right just remind her who her national champions are her national (laughs) champions so i had to rub that in for those that don't know the university of georgia won the uh 
national championship Monday night against Alabama in college football. And uh, I have still not come down off that high. Um, yeah, it better than any drug waiting a 41 year drought will, uh, and winning will, and especially winning in that fashion will, uh, yes, better than any drug. That's almost as touching as my story. I just told him. Yeah, it is. You know, I, I honestly, I put my national, my college football national championship, uh, right there with what you do. The, you know, there's no comparison. The, the highs that you must see every day watching someone come in at that could possibly be at the lowest point in their life and then watching them go through your program. And I mean, just from from the story you just told with the girl in tears and the horse coming up behind her, like it was all I could do. I'm sitting here, you know, I'm doing 100 different things while while we're recording this because I'm taking notes and for everything else for those that do not know you know you just don't get to sit behind the microphone and, and talk and multitasking for me is hard because i've had a tbi you know we've had this conversation earlier and so i'm trying to multitask and i'm listening to what you're saying and then all of a sudden you got to that story and it's like i just i couldn't function i just, i was just glued to what you're saying and that got me right in the feels yeah i am not gonna lie i mean that just i can and i just had this middle image of this girl on her knees you know, in the middle of an arena and in the dirt, crying, hands on her face, and this horse coming up behind her, flicking her hair with his nose. You know, I just had that image, and uh, golly, that just gets you. It by far is hands down the coolest, most touching experience that I've ever had. And I will tell you that that girl is not the she was not the same after that she came in that you know that was her first, that was I, the first day that they were there and i mean she just we had you know a talk first and we had a situation it was just really hard to you know in, the, in those situations sometimes it's really hard to break through to get to know those people and to, or to get to get them to be vulnerable with you because a lot of times you know hurt people hurt people that's that's where it yeah. comes from and you know, well, same way with horses. Hurt horses hurt people. Yeah. And so funny story, this horse, um, a little background, this horse had been extremely abused before she came to our program. Um, she actually wasn't in our riding program. She was only used for the, um, she was used in our training program for the college course, but, um, and then she was used for the equine assisted learning. And that was not in character of that horse either. Like usually she'll like begrudgingly be caught. Um, but her coming up to someone and being vulnerable, like that girl was being vulnerable, was just, it was such a touching experience for me because I was very attached to that horse too. And like knowing where the horse came from and then seeing that girl having the same experience was just like, and and that girl ended up with that horse. Like We didn't tell them what horse to choose. We didn't, we didn't tell them, you go get this horse, you know do this you know it was like go get a horse and bring it to this area and it just happened that they were the last two left that that you know you you can't you can't mimic that with anything else on the planet no, and, you know and it solidifies something we've we always hear and most of us subscribe to uh we don't deserve horses absolutely absolutely so with that said jessamine Golly, it was amazing to have you on. Thank you so much for, for coming on. 
and uh how can uh how can people reach out to uh to you guys if they want to help donate whatever um so feel free to go to our website it's uh www.trytriohio.org um there's a donation page there there's a little video about who we are what we do um and all of that on the on the front of our website be patient with us we are getting ready to hopefully redo our whole website um we have a lot of updates that we need to do but for now as much of our information is on there as possible um so we would we would love any anything that you could send our way we're hoping to redo our footing in our arena and um hopefully the cold ohio winters right now like we can't service people in the winter so we really need to insulate our arena and put heaters in. Uh, there's always things to do on a horse farm. For oh, sure. Yeah, I, I work full time, plus try to keep up with uh, three horses, a donkey, and a mule, and it's all I can do. So I can only imagine what your day to day is like. Yeah, it's it's a it's a it's a little funny farm around here sometimes, but we definitely we definitely make it through and. Um, we do it all for the people that we serve and we are thankful for that. And another thing that I need to do before we get off here is send a shout out to all of our volunteers too, because I mean, we have upwards of 200 volunteers a year that come through our program that make it possible and we can't do it without our volunteers. So if any of you guys are looking for somewhere to give your time to, whether you can give money, you know, money or time. Um, find a therapeutic riding center around you. You can go to the PATH International, uh, P-A-T-H International. You can find any of their uh, accredited centers there. Um, they usually have the highest safety standards and stuff. And if you find, find somewhere close to you and give some time if you can, because we definitely couldn't make it without our volunteers. They are fantastic. Um, our students, our mission, everything that we do would not be possible without them. I tell you what I'll do, and uh, I'll sweeten the pot a little bit. So for every one of you guys that donate um, to Try Ohio, uh, if you'll send me a screenshot either via email or my social media of what you donated, I'll match it dollar for dollar. That's amazing. Thank you so much. We appreciate that greatly. So we appreciate having you on, and we appreciate more what you do. And again, thank you so much for coming on, and uh, we'll definitely have you back again. And uh, I'd love to get you head-to-head -head with um, uh, another gal that uh, does some off-the-track thoroughbred work, Flo Schmorgoner, and um, that would be some golden entertainment right there. Might even yeah, be, uh, I love it. Yeah, maybe maybe a little bit more lighthearted episode and uh, have some fun with that. Just basically you guys ganging up on me. I'm down. I'm down. I'm absolutely so, ready. So, Jessamine, thank you again so very much. Guys, Guys, it is Try Ohio. Go donate. You heard what I said. Send me your screenshots of what you've donated. And uh, and I, I need legitimate screenshots of what you guys donated. I'll match it dollar for dollar, and uh, we'll help some people out along the way. So, Jessamine, thank you so very much for coming thank on. Thank you, too. We appreciate it. <laughs>
I can't thank Jessamine enough for coming on tonight and sitting down and talking to me about the amazing work that she does at, at Try Ohio. If you guys would like to donate to Try Ohio, it is triohio.org. Go there, check them out, and be as generous as you possibly can. That is some amazing work that they're doing. Also, for everybody who's excited to come out and meet the whole crew at the BLM Mustang Adoption that was coming up January 30 and 31st in Georgia, unfortunately, the BLM has canceled that event. But in March, there is another opportunity for you to come out, hang out, say hey, and run your pony if you want. We'll be at the Running Wild Fun Show. That is in McCormick, South Carolina. All the proceeds there benefit the South Carolina Governor's School of Agriculture. I'll be out there, my little half Morgan and little Quarab, Brandy Lemke, who will uh, hide my show buddy for years, is going to be out there running one of her barrel horses. I even think Flo Schmorgoner has decided that uh, she's going to come out bringing off to track thoroughbred to show off. It is a fun show, so it's barrels and poles and a potato race and egg and a spoon and all that stuff. Uh, you don't have to pay for it all. You can pay for it class by class. It's five bucks a class, or thirty bucks if you want to do everything. And there's a walk, trot, youth, and open divisions for for everything. So and they are doing a a payback. So there is something there that can be won, but it's all for a really, really, really good cause. I should have some swag I could probably be giving out. Uh, around that time too so it might be a good opportunity to swing in and uh, see us say hey so with that said this has been another great episode i loved it thanks jessamine for stopping in again and i will catch you guys next week